0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. This Lent season, we have been following Jesus' journey toward the cross. And we've been paying close attention to some of the special stops. That Jesus made on his way to the cross. And we're doing that in this sermon series because when we take the time to examine the way Jesus went, the path that he chose to walk on his way to the cross, then we're better prepared and equipped to follow him, to go the way that he went. So whether you're a seeker or a veteran disciple who's been following Jesus for many years, surveying the road Jesus traveled provides us with a map of what following him looks like. And so far in this series, we've looked at Jesus making his way to the Jordan River. We've looked at Jesus making his way into the wilderness. Last week, we looked at Jesus making his way up the mountain And today we're going to consider another important stop that Jesus made on his way to Calvary. And it's the place where Jesus spent his final week on earth before his his crucifixion and his resurrection. And it's the holy city of Jerusalem. So why Jerusalem? Why was Jerusalem the place where Jesus went to spend his final days? Well, Jerusalem is called the holy city. It's also known as the city of David, who, if you remember, David was Israel's greatest king. And it was the place where kings throughout Jewish history were enthroned. It was the place where kings were made. And it's believed to be the place to which one day God would return in his glory and victory to bring justice, and peace, and salvation, and deliverance to God's people. Now, another thing about Jerusalem was the temple was located there. And so that made Jerusalem a place of spiritual pilgrimage. The Jewish people would travel there to worship and to attend religious festivals. And in the passage we're going to read today, Mark's Gospel, the 11th chapter, what we find is Jesus and the disciples were headed to Jerusalem for that very reason. They were headed to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of Passover. And in the 10th chapter of Mark's Gospel, we're told that while they're traveling to Jerusalem, while Jesus and the disciples are on their way, Jesus tells the disciples for the third time that he's going to be killed. But for whatever reason, the disciples have heard this three times now, and they're still not having it. And I imagine that they're, they're too busy connecting all the dots, right? Because Jesus had been growing in popularity for his teachings and for his miracles. We're told that Peter is in a conversation with Jesus one day, and, and Peter has a revelation from God that Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one. And so now Jesus and the disciples are headed to Jerusalem, the, the city where kings are enthroned. And, and I imagine that the disciples are thinking this could be it. This could be the time and the place where Jesus establishes his kingdom on earth once and for all. And in fact, they're so anticipating Jesus claiming the throne and setting up his kingdom when they arrive in Jerusalem, that on the way there, we're told that two of the disciples ask Jesus if they can each sit on his right and left hand. They're thinking to themselves, this may be our last chance to ask because this is about to unfold. We should ask him if we could be his right and left hand guy. Now, little did these two disciples know that Jesus' throne would be a cross and not a conventional throne. Because the disciples thought they had the way to Jerusalem all figured out. But the way to Jerusalem, the way Jesus was going to establish his kingdom, was very different than the way they'd imagined. You know, N. T. Wright says this that. Part of the paradox of the gospel story is that Jesus' closest followers, the ones who knew him the very best, still misunderstood him at times. Which means that there's hope for you and I, right? Like if the disciples who were with Jesus for three and a half years misunderstood him at times, then um, we're probably going to do that as well from time to time. But what I want us to try to do this morning as we approach this passage in Mark's gospel is I want us to to read our passage today from the perspective of the disciples, not our own perspective. In other words, I I want you to try to put yourself in in their shoes at this moment that we're going to read. Pretend you don't know the end of the story and how it all turns out. Okay, so we're going to read from Mark's gospel, chapter 11, verse 1 through 3. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it and will send it back shortly. So here in these opening verses, Jesus gives the disciples some specific instructions and they're very detailed. He tells them, go into the village ahead of me. Just as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied up. And it's one that's never been ridden. Untie it and bring it it here to me. And if anyone asks you what you're doing, Tell them the Lord needs it, and we'll send it right back. So Jesus is predicting here what the disciples are going to see before they even arrive at the village. And soon after this account, Jesus does the same thing again. He he sends the disciples to secure a room for the Passover, and he tells them, go into the city. You'll see a man. He's going to be carrying a water jar. Follow him. He's gonna walk into a house, and when he does, go inside right after him, tell the owner of the house that the teacher needs a room, and he's gonna show you a large furnished room, go and make it ready. And so we we see Jesus here with all these details predicting what's gonna happen before the disciples even arrive. We see Jesus make another prediction. In this last final week of his life before his death and resurrection, he predicts when Judas will betray him. And then another time, he tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times before the rooster crows the next morning. So what is this all about? Well, Jesus is, is going out of his way to show the disciples that he isn't a hapless victim of events that are spinning out of control. See, Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows he's going to the cross. He has supernatural knowledge. And then look what happens. Let's read these next verses. Mark chapter 11, starting in verse 4. They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, Some people standing there asked, what are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. So everything happened here just the way Jesus told them. And the disciples are now more convinced than ever that this could be it it might be happening today. Jesus is about to ride into Jerusalem to claim his throne, to set up his kingdom. Look, he told us to go get this donkey. He told us the exact details and how and and what we were to say and and, and it and it worked exactly as he said. Let's look at the next 3 verses. Verse 7. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, He sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So the disciples are seeing this unfold, right? We're reading this passage from their perspective right now. They don't know that Jesus is on his way to the cross. Um, They only know what they see. And they see the crowd and they say, look at this. He has the heart of the people there with him. They're proclaiming and shouting Hosanna, which means save us. They're shouting, He's the one who comes in the name of the Lord. He's the one who's finally going to reestablish the kingdom of David. That's what the disciples are seeing. Now, while Jesus was in fact about to establish his kingdom, none of it was going to happen the way the disciples anticipated it would. Because What they see is this triumphal entry, right, where Jesus is marching into Jerusalem, the city where kings are enthroned, and they're thinking, this is it, this is the moment, and they think that Jesus is going to lead this rebellion against Rome. But Jesus wasn't making his way to Jerusalem to lead a revolt against Rome. He was going there unbeknownst to his disciples, to lay down his life and lead creation back to God. See, he wasn't coming to Jerusalem in force on a war horse, but in peace on a donkey's colt. Jesus wasn't bringing salvation through violence and takeover, but through sacrifice. He he wasn't temporarily delivering them from Rome, he was eternally delivering them from sin and death. And we find out that he wasn't marching to a palace and a throne. He was marching to a temple and a cross. And so the way to Jerusalem wasn't what the disciples believed it was or hoped it was because it was the way of humility, the way of sacrifice, the way of suffering. And there's a prophet in the Old Testament named Zechariah who, who foretold the way the Messiah would come. And in Zechariah chapter 9, in verse 9 and 10, we read this. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you to the ends of the earth. And so here's this Old Testament prophet named Zechariah, and he's prophesying about the Messiah coming to Jerusalem. But the disciples and all the people participating, they're not seeing what Zechariah is saying. They're, they're seeing, yes, Jesus is marching into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey, but they're missing what's really going on, which is why. When Jesus refused to lead a revolt against Rome, and he instead chose the way of the cross, the same people who were shouting Hosanna in in Mark chapter 11, later were yelling, crucify him. And that's the real lesson of the way to Jerusalem. Because as, as soon as Jesus no longer fits their agenda. As soon as Jesus fails to meet their expectations, they bail on him. Because they wanted the kingdom to come the way they envisioned it. They didn't want the way to Jerusalem to be the humble, sacrificial, and suffering way. But that's the way Jesus went. And that's the road that he invited them to travel. And so here's a question I want to leave us with to ponder this morning. What do you and I do? What do we do? When Jesus doesn't show up the way we expect him to? See, I think that we, we all love to relate to Jesus as our Savior. To come and rescue us and bail us out when we need it i'm guilty of this all the time and oftentimes i can hear it in the prayers that i pray you know i'll pray lord do this for me lord give me that and those are fine prayers to pray but it's one thing to make jesus our savior but it's entirely another thing to relate to him as our lord and our king and so are we willing To submit our unrealized hopes and dreams so that they can be reshaped and reformed by Jesus into something more eternal, into something more lasting and and, and meaningful and fulfilling. See, for for many of us, I think, the, the way to Jerusalem is the way of unrealized and unmet expectations, it's the place where we go. It's part of our faith journey where we repent of trying to create a God who's made in our own image. Right? It's where the way to Jerusalem is where we remind ourselves that God is not a genie in the bottle where we just rub the lamp and he comes and we get our wishes. The way to Jerusalem. It shows us that God can't be confined to the little boxes that we try to put him in. And Isaiah the prophet said it this way. He said that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And that his ways are higher than our ways. And the way to Jerusalem helps us see that. When you and I, when we walk the way to Jerusalem, when we go the way Jesus went, it enables us and empowers us to believe and live out what Isaiah said, that God's ways are higher than our ways. I'm seeing this and hoping for this, but God sees this and hopes and dreams this for me. And his ways are better. His ways are higher You know, um, we are celebrating a one-year anniversary this weekend. It was this weekend, exactly one year ago, that marked one year since we worshiped together in person at Main Street Landing. Can you believe that? It's been a whole year. This weekend was the first weekend um, where we couldn't meet together, back one year ago. And I don't think that any of us saw this next, this last year (laughs) unfolding the way it did. I don't think any of us saw COVID coming the way that it did. Um, As as most of you who are with us then know, we were making plans to get a new worship space and find more ways to serve our community and connect with community and worship together. And those are still our plans, by the way. We're still looking for a, a, a worship space down the road. But we never imagined... Things would go the way they have and be stretched out this long. And we've had to trust God through this, haven't we? All of us. And I believe that he's made us more resilient. I think he's made us more compassionate, more caring, more aware. And I know for a fact that he has used this time, this strange time, to shape us and to form us. You know, I think before the pandemic, many of us relied on our Sunday worship time together as the one place where God was shaping us and form us, and that was stripped away. And so now we've had to create these other spaces where God can shape us and form us. And in a way, it's a blessing because it's a more healthy pursuit of Jesus. When, when you're being shaped and formed by God throughout the week, it's more healthy than just being spoon-fed once a week on a Sunday morning, right? And so I I look back and I see all these ways. I didn't see them at the time, right? I was like the disciples, like, hey, this could be it. We're headed to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to set up his kingdom. Everything's going to be awesome. And in fact, like, Literally all hell breaks loose, right? And Jesus goes to the cross and they're scratching their heads and saying what is this? What just happened and it's only after that they look back and see oh God's ways are higher than our ways His thoughts are 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 above our thoughts and What we had hoped for he he had something for us even better and that's what the way to jerusalem does it helps us to surrender our vision and embrace instead what god is envisioning for us and what he envisions for us is so much more than what you and i can envision for ourselves which is why the way to jerusalem is such an important road in our faith journey Because it does a deep work in us that no other road does. It it helps us to, to trust that his ways are higher than our ways. And so I want to close our time together by praying the Lord's Prayer. So will you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com.